I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. It is a Sunday morning, January the 22nd, 2023. We are already just ripping through the opening month of the new year. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL, back with you here on the show What we're going to try to do this morning is weave a tapestry of basketball and football talk for you on the Alabama front. Been a newsy few days for the Crimson Tide in both areas of the athletic department. Of course, you got the divisional playoff round of the NFL playoffs ongoing. My Jags fell to those Kansas City Chiefs on Saturday afternoon. So I'm ready for Calvin Ridley to get reinstated into the league after the one-year layoff, join that wide receiver core for Trevor Lawrence and Duval in 2023. You had a nice game last night from Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, and Jalen Hurts as the Eagles rolled the Giants in Philly. We got Sunday games coming up with the Bills and the Bengals and the Cowboys and the Niners. Not as much Bama representation in those games, I guess. Trayvon Diggs, of course, for the Dallas Cowboys. Jonah Williams, unfortunately, with that knee injury, out for the Cincinnati Bengals as they make their way up to Orchard Park to take on the Bills in what should be a a chilly, chilly game in uh, northern New York State. A particular note here in the last couple of days, the Alabama Crimson Tide has added a transfer linebacker from the University of Georgia in Tresman Marshall. You know, to this point, Alabama hasn't been a real active buyer in the transfer market. What this does do is add another piece from the portal in Marshall, who augments the inside linebacker position for Alabama, while maybe chipping away a little bit at the depth for a possible opponent in the 2023 season. A little bit anyway. I mean, Kirby's got that thing rolling in Athens in a way in which they can afford to lose a top three or four guy at inside linebacker and probably not feel it all that much. But really, for teams even like Alabama and Georgia, it's about hanging on to as much as you're projected too deep as you can before the spring semester rolls around. And with the division and non-conference challenges that Alabama will have next season, that's especially true for Nick Saban's team. I mean, you look at the schedule, and I know it's still very early, and we'll do more of this as we get closer to the start of the 2023 season for sure. But you got Texas and Tuscaloosa in week two, and that's before you take the SEC West and uh, you know those type of opponents, even Tennessee as your permanent Eastern Division opponent. You take all that into account. Meanwhile, on the same Saturday that Alabama will welcome Texas to Bryant-Denny Stadium, now Georgia's got Ball State in Athens. So from a schedule perspective, not as, I would say, even urgent for Georgia to make these kind of moves as it is for Alabama. I mean, we all know that other than Tennessee, when you look at the East for 2023, shouldn't be much of a problem for the Bulldogs once again. And Really, when you look at Georgia's schedule for 2023, it's Ole Miss and Tennessee there in the month of November that'll probably go the farthest 
in determining the Bulldogs' run to Atlanta for the SEC championship game. So from a roster perspective, if you're Alabama and you're losing multiple rotational options, you need to backfill with multiple candidates. Justin Jefferson, a guy we'll talk about later in the podcast, certainly coming from the junior college ranks. But this is also why you go out and you try to get a veteran like Marshall. And you're bringing him in with the thought being he's a two-deep guy from day one. Now, competition at the position between now and August may change some of that. But it speaks to some of the evaluations that have to be sped up in the transfer portal era. And before going in even more depth on the addition of Marshall and an overview of the inside linebacker positions as they stand right now, we got to talk about this Alabama men's basketball team as it rolls another SEC opponent on Saturday. This time out in Columbia, Missouri, the Crimson Tide uses another big second half, does a great job on the defensive end to keep a Missouri team that was averaging right around 84 points per game to, you know, right there in the mid-60s. So a good performance for Alabama defensively is where it started. You got to talk about the absence of uh, Kobe Brown from the Missouri perspective. That obviously was a big loss, a big absence for Mizzou. The Tigers' leading scorer, the Tigers' leading rebounder, the Huntsville native against Alabama in Columbia a year ago went for 30 and 13. So there's no sidestepping you know, what his presence means to this Missouri team. But what I was going to do is kind of go through some of the thoughts and questions I had for this game going in and fill in some of those blanks in retrospect. And it kind of started for me with taking care of the basketball for this Alabama team because it had done a nice job of that, especially in SEC play. You know, really you have to go back to the SEC opener at Mississippi State to find a game in those first six league contests where Alabama turned the ball over more than 15 times. And with the way Missouri is active with its hands and how much it depends on creating turnovers to help itself on the offensive end, I thought this could be another game in which Alabama crept above that 15 turnover mark, but it didn't happen. Just 11 turnovers for Alabama in the game. Again, especially impressive when you consider that Missouri was averaging 11.7 steals per game coming into Saturday's contest. That was the best number, where steals are concerned, in all of Division I college basketball. So really start with that for Alabama, 11 turnovers, just four in the second half. And that went a long way in Missouri scoring just 64 points. Because again, this is a Missouri team that when you look at points off turnovers, That's how it gets itself typically into that mid-80s range. And instead, Missouri with 64 points. You look at points off turnover specifically. It was actually Alabama with a 15-6 to edge. So plus nine in points off turnover. You already knew that with Kobe Brown out especially, uh, the situation on the glass wasn't going to be probably very good for Missouri in the game. And it played out exactly that way. Alabama with the edge. Uh, on the boards, plus eight in rebounds. When you look at second chance points, a big margin there for Alabama with a 21 to seven lead in that department. And give Noah Clowney a lot of credit too, man. 17 points, 14 rebounds. Thought he set the tone early in that regard from the outset of Saturday's game. 
Uh, Mark Sears living in that sort of 15 to 20 point range gives you 17 points, eight rebounds of his own. Brandon Miller at 6'9 on the wing, 15 points and eight rebounds. So with Brown out for Missouri, it was going to be on the Tigers to really have one of those career all-time type days from three, and that didn't happen at all. As Mizzou goes three of 28, I thought Alabama's length in the game would be a real problem, especially on the defensive end, because this isn't a Missouri team. When you look at this club, Dennis Gates' first team there in Columbia, that features a lot of length. And we've seen Alabama suffer from this in the past when going against the Kentuckys and some other teams that had length and athleticism. It's tough to get good, clean looks from three. And I thought Alabama did a good job of challenging pretty much throughout the game uh, with that advantage that it had in length and athleticism. But Clowney was 17 and 14. He's your hard hat winner post game from Nate Oates. Of course, that's statistically driven. That's not just some subjective Capri Sun orange slice type deal that they hand out in the post game. So uh, you get what you need from Clowney. Uh, The bench does a nice job. Javon Quinterly, once again, with an effective performance. Did have three turnovers, but he did have also 13 points, four rebounds. Of Alabama's 11 turnovers in the game, seven combined came from Jaden Bradley and uh, Javon Quinterly, your, your primary guys on the ball. You know, some things that you'd like to see pick it up a little bit. It was great to see Namari Burnett back on the court for the Crimson Tide. Uh, that was a positive coming off that wrist injury. Dom Welch, you know, he was sidelined for the better part of the first half of the season uh, with an injury. He's still trying to get there 0 for 4 from 3. So Alabama goes 10 of 35 from the three-point line. And a game in which both these teams really want to play fast, really want to get shots up from 3, and also get to the free-throw line, It was Missouri that came in as the more efficient three-point shooting, uh, free-throw shooting team, but it was Alabama that was the more prolific in terms of getting to the line to this point in the season. And that happened once again on Saturday at Mizzou Arena as Alabama gets up 32 free-throws in the game, makes 25, so not just just quantity from the free-throw line for this Alabama team. Uh, quality as well and shooting 78%, including 14 of 17 there in a second half in which Alabama pushed that 10-point half-point halftime lead to a 21-point win by the time it was over. So good stuff once again for Alabama men's basketball. You know, when you look at some of these other areas of the team and some of the things we anticipated going into this game, Again, three-point shooting was going to be a big part of it. Not that Alabama was especially effective from a percentage perspective, but when you look at being plus eight in three-point shooting, uh, and then you also look at the free-throw line and Alabama's plus 10 there, well, that's pretty much what you're going to get, a result that you saw on Saturday afternoon. So when you think about the rest of the SEC right now, it's interesting because Alabama will now head into a midweek matchup with Mississippi State on Wednesday night at Coleman Coliseum before heading into next Saturday's SEC Big 12 Challenge in Norman, Oklahoma. Alabama going to take on the Sooners out there in Norman. It's a league that I think it's safe to say at this point, very much top-heavy. Uh, it 
certainly feels like right now. Alabama is clearly the top team in the league at 7-0. and You had Texas A&M that was previously undefeated in conference play falling at Kentucky on Saturday, giving Buzz Williams' team its first SEC loss of the season. And by the way, Kentucky now since being just absolutely drummed in Tuscaloosa a couple weekends ago has won three straight and looks like a team that may be finally starting to turn the corner after there was so much talk about, hey, maybe Cal's headed to Texas. That's that's simmered down. That's quieted down now, hasn't it? Since Kentucky has found its footing a little bit. Tennessee really hammered a struggling LSU club in Baton Rouge on Saturday. So the balls are still right there behind Alabama. And for me, anyway, pretty clear that Alabama and Tennessee are the top two teams in the league. Auburn's certainly in that discussion as well at 6-1 and one in conference play. But when we look at the true contenders as things sit right now in SEC play, Alabama sees Auburn twice and Kentucky, A&M, and Tennessee just once. So that could obviously play a role in how this regular season chase plays out down the stretch. Really, again, a top-heavy league. Kentucky is showing signs of joining Alabama and Tennessee and perhaps Auburn in forming a strong quartet down the stretch. Not a league, though, that right now, at least in my opinion, looks like it's going to be six, seven bids for the NCAA tournament. You know, Alabama is is fortifying that resume on a game-in and game-out basis. You also saw KU struggling right now, got hammered by TCU on Saturday at Fog Allen, uh, of all places. So, tough stretch right now for the Jayhawks, and you continue to hear national talking heads and scribes talk about, well, maybe Alabama is the best team in the country right now. Look, if Alabama or Duke or North Carolina or one of the brand programs out there, there'd be no maybe to it. A week and a half ago, these same folks would have been talking about Alabama in definitive terms as the top team in the country right now. Doesn't mean Alabama's going to win the national championship, but I'm not sure how you look at college basketball across the board right now and don't come to the pretty immediate conclusion that this Alabama team right now is the best team in the country. All right, so let's talk some American intercollegiate varsity tackle football. How about that? Let's talk specifically about the addition of Tresman Marshall to the inside linebacker position at Alabama. That news came down the social media pike here in the last couple of days. Some background on Marshall. He signed with the University of Georgia back in 2019 out of Clinch County High School in Homerville, Georgia. That's South Georgia, a little bit northeast of Valdosta as the crow flies. And Marshall back then reported an offer for from Alabama with Brent Key at the time serving as the primary recruiter and also some help from Tosh Lapoy, former Alabama staff member at the time. Now, Marshall made a couple of unofficial visits to Alabama, one in the summer of 2018, one in the fall of that same year. This according to his profile as a recruit there at 247sports.com. And when you look at his time at Georgia, the four seasons that he was on campus in Athens, he's 
saw action in each of the last four campaigns, including 14 games in the recently completed season as a reserve inside linebacker and special teamer. Marshall recorded at least one tackle in 11 of those games in which he appeared during the 2022 season. And injuries, a big part of the storyline, unfortunately, for Tresman at Georgia. He had a shoulder injury in 2020 that cut his opportunity short that season and then in 2021 he suffered a left knee injury that forced him to the sideline there at about the midway point of that season that was critical too because going into 2022 you had a Georgia inside linebacker position that was looking to replace Nicobe Dean. You had Quay Walker moving on, Channing Tindall. Now you're talking about guys in the National Football League. So you had a competition in the spring of 2022 extending into preseason camp. And again, unfortunately for Marshall, he was still trying to get back from that knee injury he sustained midseason in 2021. And this is a guy that you know, could have taken advantage of those opportunities at inside linebacker had he been at full health. The good news for Alabama is that with Marshall now more than a full year uh, removed from that knee injury, Crimson Tide should be getting a veteran presence at inside linebacker who is fully back to his previous self. And you consider how does the arrival of Marshall impact the situation in general at inside linebacker for Alabama? Well, as a starting point, I think of Marshall going into this as more along the lines of a Jalen Moody. Now, perhaps Marshall's ceiling will prove higher than Moody's did. But as far as the floor goes, I think Moody as a comp feels like a safe place to start with Tresman Marshall. There's also familiarity here with the defensive staff hire recently of Austin Armstrong at Alabama, having been at UGA when Tresman Marshall was a freshman back in 2019. And adding Marshall not only fortifies depth and competition at the inside linebacker position, but it also allows for more flexibility potentially where combinations are concerned. At this point in his career, Marshall should be able to handle either Mike or Will. And he comes from a system that aligns pretty much to a T with what he'll be a part of at Alabama. So if you'd rather keep Deontay Lawson off the ball, Marshall might allow you to be able to do that. Also, you like that he's already on campus, and Marshall will be in the mix, it looks like, for spring football coming up in March and April. And this isn't to discount the continued presences of guys like Jihad Campbell, Sean Murphy, a couple second-year guys that have potential to be uh, big pieces to the inside linebacker puzzle in the not-too-distant future. Ian Jackson also in that mix. you got Kendrick Blackshire, another guy to keep an eye on. You've had attrition at the end inside linebacker position, not only in terms of veterans like Henry Toa Toa. And whatever you think of Henry Toa Toa, this is a guy over the last two seasons who's had 200-plus tackles while also running the show from the middle linebacker position. We talked about Moody also in that mix. But you know what you're looking at as a starting point for this Alabama inside linebacker position is Deontay Lawson and how it goes from there will be very fascinating to watch play out here in the coming months. What we know about Marshall is that even as a reserve, he accumulated more experience, game experience, than just about any other inside linebacker 
Alabama brings back for the 2023 season. Now, a couple of wild cards to consider here. One being junior college transfer Justin Jefferson and also a true freshman in Quay Rusal. Jefferson, when you watch this guy at the JC level, he has the look of more of an off-the-ball backer who can play sideline to sideline and also get the job done in space while doing so. Rusal is interesting because when I watch him, I see more of an edge guy. But he does have the physical characteristics that you look for in a potential cross trainer in that he could work inside. You could use him outside, kind of like a Rashawn Evans in previous years. The beauty of it is that with who UA brings back on the outside and who it is bringing in, if Alabama wants to, it can give Roussel an extended look inside first if that's where it feels like it needs more help because you're bringing back Dallas Turner on the outside. You're bringing back Chris Braswell. You're bringing in Keon Keeley. You're bringing in um, extensive extensive depth there. Yonze Pierre also on the edge coming in. A very, very promising prospect uh, when you talk about outside linebacker as well. So a veteran presence, physicality, which – I think this Alabama inside linebacker core needs a boost in. And a guy who should be 100% back from the 2021 knee injury. Now, is Marshall a candidate in the dime along the lines of, say, Deontay Lawson and maybe Jefferson? Maybe not, but he does have schematic and positional experience within this scheme. And those are the positives, I think. When you're looking at Marshall joining this inside linebacker room, concerns continue to be his injury history that cut short two of his previous three seasons in Athens. Ultimately, it's a sensible addition at a spot where the development of some promising young players is still underway. And with that, we'll tell you to come hang out with us at BamaOnline.com with an emphasis on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. We certainly hope, if you haven't already, you will subscribe to the Bama Online podcast. While doing so, if you'd leave us a rating and a review, that would help us out tremendously, and we would be very appreciative of you doing that as well. Once again, Travis Ryder, thanking you for joining us right here on the Bama Online podcast. And until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.